I just want to show you a quick uh, video. Of a, it's a song that I was listening to before I was doing this message, and I just kind of felt like it just wove so well into sort of what I want to speak on today. So you guys ready for some more music? You okay with that? All right. All right. Go ahead there. Tell you about a cure If you told me you can't fight the battle There's a baby boy who won the war The war was won by a baby boy I was loving the song because the idea that um, endless hope and relentless joy coming from a baby. 
uh, something that would shift actually all of humanity. It, really? A child? Really? Um, but what I found interesting is their, their way they did the video. They showed it that it was like you're, this picture of these little figures that are in a war. That they're kind of in a battle and, and they're going, who would actually help us in this battle? And who would help rescue us from the constant fighting or constant whatever? And, and I thought about it and I said, it actually is very parallel to us as, as, as we know is that we are always in a constant battle. It actually started right at the very beginning when basically we fell for and got duped by the devil who said, no, it's, not, it's, it's better to do your own thing. And as we do our own thing, then we said we're opposing God. And as we did that, sin entered the world. Well, I love it. Uh, Aaron, there's just things happening this morning and Aaron stole my thunder. And I was like, oh. And I was like, no, that's good. That's confirmation. See, because he got up and he lit this candle and he said, you know, this. And he, and he read from Isaiah and I was like, wow. And now, praise God, he didn't read from the exact scripture that I was reading for going into. But what I was profoundly interested was this, that you know that this candle that we lit during Advent, the candle is actually called the prophet's candle. I never knew that. It's called the prophet's candle. And the reason is, is because this candle is actually a reminder of, of all of the prophetic words that were given for mankind for hope. In fact, in 740 BC, so in the word that he was talking about, Isaiah actually wrote or gave these prophetic words that a virgin would bear a son and his name would be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. 740 years before Jesus comes, God says, I am going to come to you. That's, that's his promise. And actually then we see at the, by Malachi, there's about 400 years where we have no scripture, no, all we know is there was this huge waiting, this anticipation, uh, that this hope that was promised the Messiah would come. And so again, that, what was lit today is known as the, and it's de- declaring God's hope. So, but what I found interesting is when actually Jesus came, he didn't come the way they expected, did they? Because, he came not like the ruler, but a baby. Their hope was expecting, oh, God would do it this way, but then suddenly God does it in his way, in his time, in something that would be absolutely the most disarming. Because if I was in a war, what would I, why would I bring a baby? Except that if you ever have seen children and, and it, you, you look at those babies and something disarms me. Something makes me go, wait a second, there is hope. There is something that I can't, you know, I could be absolutely just frustrated and whatever. But then when that little, little baby goes, oh, and coos, I, I'm, I'm, I'm melted butter. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Just become absolutely gush. You know, I know I'm a man, but man, that little baby can absolutely get me. And I, I said this, the Lord blessed me by not giving me any girls. And I'll tell you why. If I had a girl as a baby, I'm sorry, I would be so wrapped around her finger, it would have been terrible. And the Lord, and also then what would have happened is if when she grew up, she'd probably be locked in a tower because... <laughs> I was a youth pastor for many years, so, you know, the Lord just said, you know, I think I'm going to help your family, and you're just going to get boys. And the boys, we love you guys, right? Amen? Amen. There we go. But, you know what? The thing is, Israel missed out. They, they actually missed out on the coming of the Messiah. 
and the hope which they long for. Now, the thing is, we don't want to actually follow in their footsteps, do we? Israel, like we said, we, God gave a hope to them. And the interesting thing is they actually didn't actually receive. And we, this, this, today, we, today, we want to live in the hope in which we have in Jesus. So I want to start by doing an unscientific poll. This is absolutely no scientific measure whatsoever. So don't take this to any uh, academic, academia at all. Okay, here we go. This is what I need for you to do with me first. Please participate. Step one. Second, answer the question, and now this is it. Answer the question not by what is the correct answer, but what is the real answer. Now, I'll explain by this. Um, As Christians, we often know the right answer, but the honest answer is what I'm looking for. Please, give me the real answer. So, an example of this. A Sunday school teacher was teaching, and she said to her class one day, and she said, okay, What has a bushy tail, chatters, and eats nuts? Well, Tommy said, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a lot of, like a big squirrel. (laughs) So what I'm looking for is this. We know the answers. Jesus loved, he had a beard. That'll get you through Bible college. I'm not looking for those. What I am looking for is you're real. Just be real, okay? And so, here's my questions. Because when, uh, we don't want any fakeness. Here we go, here we go. So, how many of you would honestly would say, here's our unscientific poll, you truly feel this. Just be honest, even think it through. If life or your schedule wasn't so crazy or, bu- or busy, if you could slow things down, you'd be more content. If you could just kind of manage that timetable, like, it's crazyville, I'd be, ha- I'd be a little bit more content. Thank you for your honesty. Okay, now let's go to the next one. Okay. Now, if this is another thought. If you're in a relationship that might be breaking down, or you wish you're in a relationship, you're currently single, um, or you're just thinking, if you had a deeper, if you had some sort of a deeper relationship with someone to take away the loneliness, or just you just really want a good friend, and you'd be then more content. Put your hand up if that's the case. Nobody wants friends. Good to know. Well, just, uh, just checking, just checking, just checking. Thank you for your, like seriously, just, I want, I want the actual what we are thinking at times, because there's times when you just kind of, man, I feel like nobody cares, right? Well, oh, here's another question. If you had a different job, you'd be more content. Now, wait, 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 wait. check to see if your boss is beside you first, okay? <laughs> if you had a better job, you'd be more content. Put your hand up. Ah, just joking. <laughs> you know, just imagine as a youth, you, just, you wanted to be a rock star. And what happened? Now you're sitting in a cubicle. Something has gone wrong. The Lord has missed your purpose, right? That's kind of what's been going through your head. Well, all right. Well, how about this one? This one would be, okay, maybe if you had more money, if you had a little bit more coin, you'd be more content. There we go. Yeah, yeah, come on. All right. Um, okay, let's go the opposite. If you had less stuff, if you had less things, you'd be more content. Not, you wouldn't have to deal with so many th- <laughs> As mom puts one arm and the son puts the other arm down. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. How many of you would be more content if I stopped giving you questions? The rest of you. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, Ruth. <laughs> there, finally got the honest air. Wow. 
well, moving from this unscientific pull, um, we just finished a, a series in 1 Corinthians. Paul was talking about how the challenge of the church to not conform to the pattern of this world, but be renewed, but be renewed by the, their mind, transformed, because their thinking isn't the way the world is thinking. See, there is a cosmic battle of our mind. There's like how we would think and perceive. That's right from the beginning when the devil did say, no, God is not good, and if you do this, you'll have it better. Well, our challenge is this. I believe that we live in this culture, but this, this, I believe, you actually, you and I are constantly being discipled in something, and I would call it discontentment. Our culture is constantly pushing us in what I would say is a discipleship of discontentment. And I just, I just love it. If you, if you think about it right there, there are actually spiritual messages that are given out right during this season. And you know what? It starts early. Did you know that see, Christmas is actually a highlight for our, for our country? It actually will start right by October, as soon as Halloween's done. Boom, we've got Christmas trees coming up. I mean, I was going in Costco, and I'm like, whoa, this is two months away. And I'm like, there's every tinsel everywhere, and the lights are coming up. I think we had the Christmas parade in November, and then we're still like two months. In fact, they even made it crazier. They, I heard this last year, Christmas in July. I was like, we're celebrating Christmas. Like, we want to we want get the most out of this wonderful season, apparently. But if you ask the question, well, what, what is this? What is the message? What is the celebration really about? Um, and I actually think it's this. If you think about it, marketers are absolutely amazing because I think they actually know humanity better than actually some theologians, some theologians in seminary. Because marketers are actually knowing what is in people's hearts. And they're after at it. They're after it like, uh, like a pit bull. I think that it, 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 some things that I think our world, they just actually attune because they know what people are looking for. And they're almost every, I just see it right from whatever. You're, there's a, a message that's trying to bait our souls. And like I said, it's no, it's, it's probably more intense this season. Um, so being real, this is where the challenge is. How many of you like Christmas? Love Christmas. See, I absolutely love Christmas. We didn't, we didn't, we grew up, my family, we, we didn't, for me, Christmas, I didn't know anything about Jesus, but man, I loved Christmas, I, and I still do. All the presents, the lights, the, the, just the atmosphere, the, you know, we have traditions, we have a Christmas fondue that we do. I'm looking forward to that, and I, I don't think that's bad. You know what? We have stockings. Guess what? Stockings are not evil. Just so you know, we give stockings. I actually was surprised when I first came to Nikki's parents. I was uh, about 16, you figure, about there, and I uh, friends. Anyway, and what happened was we came and they were like, welcome. And they're how, and I, we were, I was like, I never understood. What do you guys do? And they were like, here. And they gave us a stocking. I was like, oh, you gave me a gift. Yeah. We want you to feel part of the family. Really? A stocking can make me feel, okay, I'm in. But this is when I was really in. I'm looking
pulled out a dart gun. And I'm like, dart gun? And all of a sudden, all the men went into combat mode. And couches were being flipped over, and there were dart guns shooting. And I, and I mean, I remember, like, her dad got shot right in the glass, and there was a dart gun. I'm laughing, thinking, this is Christmas. Anyway, to this day, we have a dart gun war for Christmas, just because it's part of fun. It's... But, you know, this is the challenge. Love Christmas, but there's a subvert message that's being bombarded at me all the time. And this is, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the message that the world is saying, and it's an oversimplification. It's really, I'm just going to make it really simple and, and clear. If you were to ask what the message is subvertly, or what they're communicating all the time in whatever stuff is this, you get this feeling that, your life stinks. Merry Christmas. But do we have the hope for you? We have a way to take away that, you know, if you just have maybe this, or if you do this, you will have hope, joy, peace, and love. Just look at that picture. Look at it. This is the season, and you can have this, but it's totally devoid of Jesus. You can have these things, and you can get this, but you don't need a Savior. So, during this season, this is the question we have. What is actually going to be my hope? What is my hope? What is actually going to be, make me content? New job? A little more coin? New friends? Some turkey dinner? Is that really going to be what satisfies me? And yet, we are constantly being bombarded that that's is. And so we have a discontentment. We don't know how to receive and get love, joy, peace, and particularly hope. And so our prayer this season is that we actually take time to reflect. See, I love that we do Advent because it forces me to go. It's not just on the 25th. Yeah, this, the world celebrates way back in, uh, in November, but you know what? We're going to slow it down and just go, but what's it about? It's about Jesus, him. As followers of, tr- of Christ, truth is that we value supremely, we, we value Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that said this. This is his own words. He said, he's the gate. And whoever enters through him will be saved. They, those that come through him will be able to come and go and find pastor. They'll actually find a place where they can rest and have hope. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But in Jesus we have life and we have it actually to the full. The word he uses there is, it's like to the max. The way we were meant to be. Really? In Jesus? Is that really what we can have? A life. (laughs) Imagine every time I say you need Jesus, I'm actually telling people, get a life. I mean, it sounds really really crass, but I'm like, no, you need to really get a life. You need to get a life. But do I believe that? That's the other question. Is he really my life? Is he really my hope? So I want to unpack this thought, because what if, what if I have Jesus? What if I'm living, I got him, I receive him? Well, then this is where I want, to, I want to unpack it, because we do have him, we do have hope. And so I want to think about it. What 
is the hope we have in Jesus or in Christ? Think about it. I have one thought. And today what I'm going to do is we put our glasses. I had this picture and it was interesting. It's like somehow we're gonna, God's going to put glasses on us so we would see something maybe we don't know we have. Or we would see it and it becomes very clear. So when you see all the Christmas stuff, when you're looking around and seeing the tinsel, suddenly it's like this vision, a Jesus vision that comes in going, whoa, but no, no, this is actually what I got. This is the hope that I have. Well, we'll do this. We're just going to read from, uh, from the first Peter and we're going to unpack this. So let's go to first Peter chapter one. Peter's talking to the church and he starts off the very beginning wanting to share with them. And so he goes this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3. And if you have your Bibles, follow along. I would love it. I do have it up here if you've never, if you don't. But I really encourage you to read your Bible. So, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Thank you, because I'm sniffling. You're a good man. See, that's why I like him. Sorry. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though for now, now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Anyone gone through trials? Well, it's so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ though you have not seen him you love him though you do not see him you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls Paul or Peter is just saying, goes, I want to start off by telling you what you what hope you have in Jesus. And we need that constant reminder of this hope that we have in Christ. Because sometimes I think when we're looking at all this stuff, we forget. And, and when we forget what we have, then we start looking for other things. What kind of hope do we have in Christ? Again, I want us to put on Jesus' glasses. That's the picture for you today. Well, the first thing Paul or Peter says, he talks it right in the beginning. He says, you are born again to a living hope. That's the very first thought. Now, this is an interesting one because um, psychologist William Marston asked 3,000 people. So psychiatrist. He said, what have you to live for? Pretty open statement. He just wanted to find out where they were at. And he was shocked to discover that 94% were simply enduring the present while they waited for the future. They were waiting for something to happen. Waiting for next year. Waiting for a better time. Waiting for someone to die. Waiting for tomorrow. In other words, all that anyone could ever respond is today, Because today, we have today, but yesterday is gone, and tomorrow is only exists in hope. Hope is always a future thing. But Peter says something very interesting for Christians. We have something different in Jesus. 
A living hope. A living hope? Yeah, a living hope. A living hope is a now hope. Are you living right now? Please check your pulse. That means it can happen now. (laughs) You don't have to die to receive that. You don't have to look to future. This is profound because he's suddenly saying you have something that the world does not have instantly because you have a living hope. And I know God wants to give you hope. I know that that's part of his character. As Aaron was saying, we light these because this is who God is. He brings love, joy, peace, hope. He brings these things. And this is how I know. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You know who he was saying this to? He was saying it to his children who were chasing other idols, running off and denying him, would rather go and do other stuff. In fact, he says, but I still have plans for you. I still have hope. In fact, I want you to, I see you as a bride. I see something in you that even as the devil has destroyed and marred humanity, he says, no, I have hope because I, I, God, have spoke into the darkness and I create light. And I, as even John says, light came in the world. But we didn't know it, did we? But to those who receive it, they become children of God. That wasn't in my notes. Oh, that was awesome. Keep keep it going. Yeah, we are. Anyway. What he says, though, is he says, we understand a living hope to be born again. Now, I want to unpack that because we get that idea of, of living hope. And we're going to talk about, well, what does it mean to be born again? In John chapter 3, he talks, it's, it's actually pretty clear. If people say, what do you mean by born again? You just got to go read John chapter 3. And this story is this. Nicodemus is actually goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I know you're from God. Because I see all the miracles you're doing. And, and then because Peter, or sorry, Jesus knows Nicodemus is a good man, he goes, hmm, well, I want you to know. And he, and he, he gives him a, this heavy revelation. He says, you know what? You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born. Now he's, and, and Nicodemus is kind of looking, going, what do you mean I can't enter? And like, what? He goes, how does a man enter back into his mother's womb? How do you, what are you talking about? And Jesus unpacks it. He says, no, no, I'm going to explain what I mean by this being born again. He says, you must be born of the Spirit. In other words, our connection with God has to be a spiritual connection. And we are dead in our sins. We need God to actually help us with that. And he talks about this, that he goes, unless you're born of the Spirit and of water, and he says, and the Spirit blows, but you now, do you not understand this? And then he says, by the way, God did not come to condemn the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Instantly, when you ask and you realize that Jesus came to save, he ties it in with this idea that you become born again. The Spirit actually comes. God comes in you. And this is just confirmed in Ephesians 3, verse 17. Paul, talking to the church, he says that Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith. Suddenly, we have something that the world doesn't know. We actually have God's Spirit in us helping us. Now, I love that because, guess what? 
whenever you're feeling lonely, remember, I just wish I had a friend, I wish I had a suddenly you have somebody who's around you all the time. You are mobile homes. You're mobile homes. You literally have a person who's there with you, who will never leave you or forsake you, who suddenly says, in fact, you know that because while you were still yet sinners, he died for you. And he, and he says, I want you to pray. Pray to him like father. Again, that's a crazy concept. God, father? No, no, he's creator, almighty. And he's like, no, no, there's a concept you remember I said, I'm so glad I don't have, I never got a little girl because I'd be wrapped around her finger and I could not handle that. God is going, I'm okay with being in love with you. I'm okay. I want to be your father. So to accomplish this, again, to be born again, God took some tremendous steps. First, God made himself a man. He became Jesus Christ. This man, Jesus, lived a genuine life on this earth, yet without sin. In his living, his actions and his speaking, he fully expressed God. And after living and experiencing everything of human life and still without sin, for 33 years, 33 and a half years, he died on a cross, not because he had to pay for it, but it was because of my sin, your sin. Again, back in Genesis 3, when God even, when we had said, no God, we don't, and there was a curse, even back then, God gave a hope and he said, yet I will send someone who will free you. That promise, that hope. And so Jesus paid the price for our wrongs. Not this, not just that, but after the three days he rose victorious from the, victorious from the dead and in his resurrection, he now sends the Holy Spirit to be a part in us. That's how you get born again. Jesus, you died, took away my sins so that I can be with you and you'd come inside me. What a hope. So when Peter uses this term, living hope, what, what, what are you talking about? It means being born again. It's linked with this. It's linked that every day I have a new life. Every day he's making me new. Every day there's a new creature. It's called Norm. The old one's dead and a new one is made. And I am not the same person. Man, you guys, if you did not know what I was like before I knew Jesus, I loved to lie. I loved, I stole, <gasps> I stole chocolate bars from a, okay, well, I gotta take, cut the uh, internet thing off because, uh, <laughs> please, no, he just show you. I did very, actually very little things. But all of us, all of us have broken his commands. And he calls me his son. And it's a new term. This actual living hope is actually a term of resurrection hope. That's what it gets tied to. You have resurrection life today. And this resurrection life comes through him. So just think about that song at the beginning. If you told me about your sorrows, I would tell you about a cure. If you told me you can't fight the battle, there's a baby that won the war, and he's coming to live in you. This is what we describe as a living hope. So maybe you're asking God, Lord, maybe this morning, I need, you just, we need to be born again. If you have no hope, well, maybe, you, maybe you've never made Jesus a part of your life. And letting him actually come in. 
And or maybe all the things that are happening have taken away that we forgot who Jesus is, a living hope that he wants to be inside us. And we actually need to be born again. We need that where, you know what, we go to church and we do our things, but you know what, that is old stale bread. And you know what, God has new bread for you today. In fact, today he says, you want a new life? And I'd be like, yeah, come on. Endless hope and relentless joy for me today. And for you, by the way. So the next one, we have this other party unpacks to it is we have an inheritance that is imperishable. Verse 4. And this is crucial because, again, I was telling you, we have the battle, this lie. And and Peter is going to unpack something that is actually very hopeful or helpful for us in dealing with what we call this Christmas season about. Because you see, in Genesis 1.27, it says this, God created us in his image. And this is what sets us apart from all creation. It's not that we have thumbs in different locations. That's not what makes us special. What makes us special is we were created in God's image. But what does that mean? Well, I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, says something that's really profound. Really? Christmas, you're going to Ecclesiastes? Yes, I'm going to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, this is what the writer says. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, the first part is a sermon itself. He has made everything beautiful in its time. That's a sermon. I'm not going to go there. It's the second part I want to focus. He has put eternity into our hearts. As you are created in the image of God, there's this concept that I want to throw at you. You have a hole in your heart. It's a God-shaped box. It's something I would call the gap of eternity. You were created for, created for eternal things. This God-shaped box, this gap of eternity, St. Augustine made it a concept like this. He said, it's like a God-shaped vacuum that nothing can fill. Pascal even said that. You can go along and try to put things inside to fit it in, but nothing truly will satisfy. And so that's actually what the world is doing. They always are saying, we know you're broken, but we have something that can fix you. But everything is temporary. Everything's absolutely temporary. And so this is our pursuit. What mankind always asks, what is life about? Surely there's something more. But here's the interesting thing. Is it true that nothing acts actually truly satisfies? That's the question. The idea that Jesus and God is presenting is that we as human beings, we do this. We, in our vehicles of life, our cars, we take gas and we pump it in, but the gas is full of sand. Now, how many of you know that when you do that on a regular basis, what happens? It doesn't really run well, does it? In fact, you find after a while the motor gets clogged because it's not built for that. It's built for something else. You were built for eternity. Eternity is in our hearts. And so when we fill our stuff with things that truly aren't how we're meant to be our soul gumption, it's not what we can run on them for a while, but they actually gum us up. 
See, because you're meant to experience love, joy, peace, and hope. Did you know you were meant to do that? Okay, wait, pastor, are you saying it's okay to enjoy that Christmas meal? Yes. Wait, you were meant to, you were created to actually enjoy, to have love. You mean, pastor, I was created to have relationships? Yeah. Uh, pastor, I, it's okay for me to, to just sit and roast nuts on, a, on, a, on an open fire and it's so peaceful? Yeah, you were created for peace. How many do that, by the way? Anyone roasted nuts? I, I don't even know where that is. Uh, who made that up? Again, Christmas! Chestnuts, yeah. <laughs> Good question, yeah, chestnuts. You see, what it's saying, though, is that these are things that God has created, but these are not the things that are truly going to satisfy you. And even as an atheist, it's, it's hard. they have actually a hard time arguing that mankind is looking for more. In fact, an atheist would agree and say, actually, there's something in us that is always pursuing. Why? Well, I have the answer. Eternity is in our hearts. And we have nothing to fill it except someone. We push our hopes forward because we don't feel satisfied. Something's driving us. Think of it this way. As kids, what's your, your hope? Oh, I can't wait till I get out of the house and then I'm going to have freedom. Okay, once, if that's your, your goal, now what happened to this? When you're still in high school, you couldn't wait to get out, graduate. You couldn't wait to get out of high school. What happened after high school? I had to get a job. That just, I want to go back to high school, right? And you know what? I can't wait to get married. Yeah, that's going to be a great day. Oh, I can't wait till I get that promotion. It's going to be a great day. I can't wait to have kids. It's going to be a great day. But even in these good things, they're not eternal. Even in something as incredible as a wedding day, it's a high watermark day. It's so good. It is so... I, I want you, you all to know, I absolutely love my wife. I absolutely think she's amazing. She's my friend. I've known her since I was 12 years old. 10? I'll go, I always get the number right, so 10 years old. So I married my best friend. And it absolutely required no effort that day to when we were at the altar. And, but it was interesting that even though that day happened 25 years ago, it gave away to a delightful discipline work. To be honest, because to keep a marriage going, you actually have to fight for it, don't you? I can't live on the euphoria of that day. In fact, that euphoria was probably gone the first day when suddenly uh, I didn't put the toilet seat down and the euphoria of that you know, wonderful day for my wife was quickly dissipated. Or... You know, as I would think of another high watermark was just having my kids. I remember distinctly holding that little guy going, and I didn't have a clue. She had to, you know, this wiggly thing inside, and I had no clue how so attached until I'm holding this little infant going, wow, I can't believe how my heart could be so... But you know how even in that day, that euphoria, it was quickly dissipated by the next of anxiety and fear. Thinking, why, God, did you give me this? I lose my keys. What am I going to do with this human being? (laughs) 
and or when they go and say, oh, can I take the car for the first time? No, man, that's... (laughs) Can I just keep you as a little baby? It was satisfying to have children. It's, It's great to have marriage. Promotions are good. How many of you look forward to a promotion? Three of you. Okay, well... Hi, Watermark. It's good to hear that you're all striving, going good. But this is the point. We are created. We are created for eternity. And that what I mean by this is that we have an inheritance that is imperishable. What kind of hope we have in Christ? An inheritance that is absolutely never fades. C.S. Lewis said this, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, then the only logical explanation is, I was made for another world. And so I don't want ever to get stuck where I long to be more in this world. Why do I keep putting gas that has sand in my tank and think it'll make me run? I think uh, I'm listening to something else that's telling me Oh, I know how to give you hope. I know how to give you joy. I know how to give you peace and love. Oh, this season, we got it for you. We got it for you. There is only one hope, and his name is Jesus. It's Jesus. Hallelujah. We can sing it. Hallelujah. Let it ring. Let it sing. That Hallelujah. Endless hope, relentless joy come in a baby boy. Because we know what that baby boy will do. He will die for you and I so that we can have the Holy Spirit, God working in us, a living hope that we would be born again into into an inheritance that is imperishable. That's what we have in Jesus.